This very special bonus episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore is brought to you by our generous listener supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you appreciate what we do and would like to join them, go to dollamore.com slash PayPal or dollamore.com slash Patreon. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, welcome to this very special bonus episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, once again to your chagrin. And sitting across from me, my lovely and talented co-host, raring to go, as she often is, often Often. is, Brittany Page, everybody. Yeah, I'm often. (laughs) And also joining us by the miracle of Skype, Mark Nagel. From 720 Apiaries. Mark, how are you? Good. How are you guys doing? We are doing great. A return guest. Another. You know, listen, but when you do going on four years of a, of a show and 400 plus whatever episodes, you end up having some repeat guests. And typically what happens is, speaking from experience, typically, oh, you know, all of the different podcasts I've been involved with. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, what's happened with us is our favorite guests, they come back for a return. Yes. And Mark Nagel, one of my in real life friends, mm-hmm. who happens to be a bee aficionado, yes. uh, is one of my favorite people. So we're having him back on again because oftentimes, Mark, people say to me, hey, why don't you cool it with the politics on the bonus episodes and give us something that's interesting and fun like bees. Like bees. Well, you know, I was thinking it had been since June 2015 since I was on because I was banned from the show. <laughs> Uh-oh. One of my... I'm, uh, one I'm of the my... first person <laughs> That's to right. ever be banned from I Doubt It With Dolan. That's right. I don't remember why that happened. Why did that happen? Uh, he probably I corrected me. Je- I corrected Jesse on <laughs> the correct way to say time zones. Oh. I still... Listen... There are many things that I have to be re-corrected about. One is now Brittany constantly correcting me on how to use parentheses and punctuation. It drives me insane. And to this day, Mark Nagel, when I write PDT or PST, I think, ah, fuck. What's the right way? What did Mark say that time? <laughs> well, and, you know, there's there's a lot of things that have changed since then. Um, back on episode 128, Brittany did not swear. Oh. She still tries not to, but every once in a while, it uh, it finds its way out. Yeah, it happens here and there. How dare you highlight that fact? You want to get yourself fucking rebanned, Mark? This is how you do it. This is I'm how you do it. it. You know, I went back. I went back and did some research and did some listening, and I figured I was like, you know, some things are different. I wasn't back banned from the show in June of 2015. Brittany didn't swear, and it used to be called Mark's Bee Hole. That's right. It was Mark's Bee Hole, not 720 Apiaries. Explain why the change. Explain first. Explain Mark's Bee Hole. Yeah. And then explain why you why you changed it. Yes. I was looking for a name and. 
Jesse came up with the, the, the catchy term Mark's B-hole. And it stuck. And it was Mark's B-hole for about a year and a half. But then it came time to start selling honey. And it's real <laughs> hard to market honey sold from Mark's B-hole. People aren't... Uh, it's not an appetizing... Uh... Uh, proposition to to eat delicious honey out of Mark's beehole, huh? Right, and then I actually did try to register it as an LLC, and the state of Idaho wouldn't do that either. Really? They wouldn't, huh? They're smart. That seems. Yes. They they knew what was going on. <laughs> well, seven twenty eight. Well, now so now you're seven twenty apiaries. Uh, tell yep. us what that means. What is the significance of the seven twenty? Seven twenty is the sum of the angles in a hexagon. Hmm. A hex Which oh is- a hexagon like a bee honeycomb. Yep, bee honeycomb. Huh. Yep. <laughs> how uh, how creative and scientifically nerdy of you. Pretty nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot has changed. As I mentioned, uh, Mark and I are are good friends, longtime friends for, for over a decade now, and we we got to see Mark um, in Boise. When we went back for our, both of our good friend Mike Grabo's memorial. Yep. And that is when we pinned you down and said, God damn it, we're getting you back on the show. <laughs> so. Unbanned. You are unbanned. Uh, for now. Unbanned. <laughs> we will see. We will see. So, so tell me, let's kind of recap. Explain to the audience how the fuck you got into bees to a level that you they have overtaken your backyard <laughs> well um i got into bees because i'd always been interested in it since i had been at a physics convention when i was um doing my undergrad and i just didn't have the time or the space to do it until we actually bought a house and then once we had a house we had the property and so i started diving into it as a hobbyist and using a little bit of my scientific background. And when I first hopped into it, and like I discussed on the first episode with you guys, a lot of it was behind um, the GMOs and the GMO crops and the effects it was having on the bees. And um, late in 2015, I actually attended a, a you, talk. You, you mean because of their use of like Roundup and the different chemicals that... Ra- that Roundup are- and... Neo- yes, Roundup yeah. and neonicotide, neonicotides, which are banned in Europe hmm. and not in the United States. So I started, I I went to a talk by a USDA scientist um, named Dr. Jonathan Lundgren, and he is now known, if you Google search his name, he is known as the USDA whistleblower that said, hey, the government's not disclosing everything about pesticides. So he, you know, of course, lost his job, (laughs) Um, but he was pretty much came out and said, hey, we have found that um, these farmers that are using Roundup and neonicotoids, they're having no effect on their yield. No, there's no benefit on the yields from using these. Hmm. So there's absolutely no benefit to them. So, But there's an adverse effect because they're killing the fuck out of some bees. Well, it, it's not necessarily killing the bees. It's killing the, the forage that they um, eat off of. Oh, okay. So I kind of just, dis- dis- you know, for those that weren't listening back on episode 128, I kind of discussed this a little bit. The the forage that bees feed on, um, bees aren't native to the United States, and a lot of the weeds in the United States are not either, and that's the food that bees prefer. But then when farmers are going along ditch banks and killing all the weeds with the Roundup and whatnot, 
then that's killing the food for the bees. So yeah. that's one of the big problems. So what um, neonicotinoids and um, Roundup and um, um, chemicals like that do, they compromise bees' immunity, which, you know, goes back. They also compromise bee, bees' immunity, which, you know, they take back to the hives. They start getting infected by viruses and whatnot. What I did learn from going to Dr. Lundgren's talk is, you know, when I was originally starting as a beekeeper, I was like, here I am, I'm here, I'm going to go into the GMOs and the forage and the agricultural side. And after seeing him get shut down with all of his publications being blocked, um, he got banned from talking to media, they completely disbanded his labs, this little one-man army in Boise, Idaho is not going to be able to help with any of that. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have the time, the money, or I'm not nearly as smart as that PhD guy is, right? right. <laughs> so there's still this problem of colony collapse. And, um, you know, the chemicals and the forage, that's that's one of the two of the four tiers of colony collapse. But another one is the Varroa mite. And um, I kind of, I've talked to you about this, Jesse, in the past, but um, it's this, um, it's called the Varroa destructor mite. And if you think about it, if you take your hand and stick it on your face, that's like you being a bee with a varroa mite stuck to you. And that's the parasite that's stuck to you. Wow. It's about that similar size. And um, what it's doing is it's decimating beehives um, to the point where bees will just get up and leave because they're so um, – they're so um, – I'm trying to think of the proper word. They're so aggravated by this mite that is – essentially feasting on them yeah they're just uh it's like a it's a a a pest for the bees and they're just like yeah fuck this we're out of here because they can't fight back too many goddamn mites yes huh so i was like i'm gonna spend all my time and effort now working to work with bee genetics and try to help with this issue so i um stepped stepped up and worked on some education on my part with Oregon State University. I started working on uh, master's in entomology. Nice. And I'm now a certified apprentice beekeeper, so I'm allowed to to teach and write publications. Awesome. And actually, actually do some research <laughs> that people will listen to. And um, I've been working with Washington State University's um, genetic bee breeding program where they're bringing bee, bee semen from all over in Europe and uh, Siberia and Russia and Russia and Germany, all the old world bees, they bring the semen into the United States and they start inseminating the queen bees here and start selective breeding for traits of um, to create a bigger genetic um, diversity in the population of bees in the United States. That's and, gotta and, be, go ahead, Brittany. Well, what effect will that have on the mites? What is that gonna do to the so, mite situation? One of the genetic markers that we're looking for is resistance to Varroa. They don't have the Varroa to the same extent in Europe as they do here. Hmm. So by selective breeding... um, Hang on, hang on. on. Is that because bees, like you said, aren't... Bees are not native to North America. Correct. So is that because they've lived there longer and through evolution or just natural selection, they've they've overcome? Is that why? It is. It is through it is through evolution because they they've been there so much longer and they've they've started to accommodate themselves to it. Hmm. So the bees that are naturally more um, 
resistant to it, they live, where the ones that don't die. And so it's the ones being more resistant to the Varroa are expanding throughout Europe, and we're trying to get those kind of genetic markers in the United States. The reason you can't is because in the 20s, they, the United States government passed that you cannot bring bees into the United States. That's why these graduate students are going over harvesting semen from these bees to bring them back into the United States. So hang on. I, I, now listen, I, I've been, I'm withholding all the, the bee semen jokes. There's a lot of smiles, though, yeah, when you're talking how, about it. How are you... There's got to be a pretty delicate process to harvest bee <laughs> semen. I mean, seriously, that's the smallest jerk-off hand I've ever seen in my life. How, how, how well, is that done? How is this extracted? How do you excite a bee enough to, to get that tiny little sample of uh, bee jizz Well, you're assuming it's tiny. I mean, we don't know, right? What do you think honey is, Brittany? Tell us all the deets, Mark. <laughs> All I all I have heard, and I don't know the specifics, but all I have heard is that there's a reason it's graduate students that do it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it how sad. Apparently, it's a real horrible job, and it's a lot of work for a summer to get a very minimal amount of viable uh, germoplasm. Does it does it kill the bee? Yes. Oh, it does. They so you can't just the squish the bee and then like, ah, oh, there's some semen in there. No. So they do have to sacrifice the bee for it. Huh. Well, all for, and, the, for the greater good. Well, and you know, and, and see, and it comes across um, a natural problem in bees because they come from the order uh, Hymenoptera. Mm -hmm. Hymenoptera. Hmm. I always mess it up saying it. But what it is is... Um, More sex terms. Hymen. <laughs> yeah, they... So when a queen <laughs> lays an egg, she can decide if it's going to be male or female. So bees are part is, of the is insect that through, group. Is that through emission of a pheromone, or how is that? No, it's through emission. She can decide which eggs she fertilizes. So oh, unfertilized, okay. unfertilized bee eggs are male, and fertilized bee eggs are female. Hmm. So sh the queen can control the male to female ratio in the population, in the beehive. Wow. So, um, so I mean, if you start thinking about that, because of that, males will never have a father or sons, but they'll have grandfathers and grandsons in a beehive. Hmm. It, it's real interesting. God damn. The genetics of it. So the other thing you can't control is when a queen goes on a mating flight, for her to be viable and the bees in the hive to not kill her when she comes back, she has to mate with between 12 and 24 different bees. And why won't they kill her if she does that? It's like... Because they can tell that she, through pheromones now, now through pheromones, they can tell that she's been um, fertilized well enough that she can be viable to at least make it through one or two seasons in the hive. If not, they'll kill her and they'll make a new queen. Wow. <laughs> so. They're so ruthless. Now you're having, ruthless, these yeah. bees. So now you're starting to have to worry about when you inseminate her, if you inseminate her with enough different types of sperm. Or if she's not in, in, um, inseminated well enough, she might go fly out and get inseminated by other drone, other male bees in your bee yard and bring that back. So you can't even guarantee 100% that she's going to have the semen you want in her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you start getting into a lot of tricky situations. Well, Washington State University has been doing this for quite a bit of time. And um, through selective breeding, they can, you know, they have it pretty isolated and they're starting to reach out to bee clubs like myself 
and um, here in the Treasure Valley and other areas in the Pacific Northwest to start seeing how their bees that have, they've been producing over time will respond in different climates and with the different genetic markers that we're looking for, which one of them's um, um, being varroa resistant. Where it gets interesting is we're working with another uh, university, Purdue University, and they've actually worked on a genetic marker for the last 10 years on bees that will actually go after the mites and eat their legs off. Wow. Yes. So So they're called... They're called the mite biter strain of bees at Purdue University. Holy shit, that is that sounds like it would take care of the problem altogether. So they're not eating the mites; they're just attacking and militantly dismembering them. Correct. <laughs> God damn. And what they found, and what they have found, is that they're seeing consistently on daughters of these the, the the mite biting bees so this is the second generation they're starting to see a one-third drop in total mite level and of and they're increasing high survival rate by more than 55 percent so so, so these, these mites explain to the audience i think you've explained it to me before don't they kind of like attach like they'll just attach to the side of the bee and burrow a fucking hole right into the bee and kill it so and see that's that's the other exciting and this is breaking I doubt it with Dollmore news right Whoa. here. Here oh. we go. I wish I had a fucking so, sound effect. I know why don't you? Here. I'll put one here, in I in post. Keep... No, I'm putting one in yeah. in post. Here Perfect. it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I attended a talk um, this summer from uh, Dr. Dennis Van Inglesdorp, who runs the B Lab at the University of Maryland. Mm-hmm. He has a graduate student named Sammy Ramsey. And Jesse, you were correct. What it does is the bee, the mite attaches to the bee. And for the last 10 to 20 years, when they've been studying these mites, they thought that the mite was sucking the blood from the bee to live, therefore killing the bee. What Sammy noticed was, if this is the case, why do the mites always seem to go to almost the exact same spot on the underside of the left of the bee? And when they're sucking the blood, why don't they grow bigger like a tick does? Hmm. So he started looking into it, and he found that they're actually not sucking the blood. They're actually sucking um, on the fat bodies that are located right there in the bee. And what's important about that is that's the part of the bee that detox pesticides. Um, It regulates the hormones in the bee. Um, It produces the immune response to the bee. And so that's getting wiped out. Therefore, killing several of the bees or annoying to the point the bee, the, the other bees in the hive are noticing this, that they'll just leave so they don't get infected themselves. Hmm. This has not even been published yet. This is all brand new research that they have just figured out in the last two months. Are you sure you're allowed to share it? Are the bees going to come for you? <laughs> I am 100% sure this is allowed to be shared. Okay. Sammy is doing his talk on it, and he just won a lot of grant money from a lot of different people, and it's getting ready to be published. The bee research mafia so, is going to come fucking gunning for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're going to come gunning for I doubt it with all more breaking news. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, this, no, is, th- but, th- um, this is fucking... I'm fascinated by it. I'm not the science guy that you are. You're, you know, physics degree and, you know, nerdy math guy. And I admire it. Um, And it's awesome to know that some of these things are being kind of uh, dealt with, accomplished, learned about. And so what's neat is, so you asked about the, essentially that's what the rural mind's doing. And 
what you asked about is like with with the Purdue bees and with the Washington State bees, they're starting to get to the point where we're seeing these good genetic traits, whether they're you know winter hardy or they're varroa resistant or they're eating all the legs off the mites. So they're trying to find a way that they can cheaply and um, repeatedly have these genetic qualities and not just the daughters of the queens that are doing it, that have the offspring that are doing it, but the granddaughters. So that's where someone like me gets involved, where I can take really good notes. I know enough about being a beekeeper that I can be dangerous. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I, can, I can put a bee, a queen bee that's a granddaughter of one of the bees that has the genetic quality, and I can see how it mates with the bees in my local area and then report back to them saying, hey, yes, this bee is working. These genetic qualities are working. This is awesome. Or... No, your bee died in two weeks. All the local bees here killed it. <laughs> wow. And so that, you know, now I'm not dealing with the GMO powerhouse and all their money. I'm dealing with university one-off graduate students that are just looking for people that they can send queen bees to and be like, hey, what, what does your bee do in my hive? What does my bee do in your hive? Because like I've always said, I've never been about the honey and the production. I've been more about let's fix this problem. Yeah. Which leads into the final thing that I'm really working on is getting youth and younger people involved into beekeeping. Because if you go to bee club meetings or you go to bee conferences, all you see is old white guys. Yeah. All <laughs> and that's not gonna that's not gonna help everyone in ten years when all these old white guys that are beekeepers are dead. Yeah. And if there's not a, a surgence of young people that are wanting and excited about and wanting to work on this and excited about bees and beekeeping and understand that one out of every three bites of food comes from bees. Are you, um, are you seeing interest? Are you, are you, are absolutely. you being successful I, in, in, uh, inflaming the, the passions in this topic with younger people? Yep. yep. I, um, I'm working with the Boise state university bee team. Um, I work with, the, the well, you know, towards the end of this last season, I was up with them about once a month. Um, I've done talks for them and I also, for the club, I run about six hives up in the foothills where I've had kids as young as eight years old to come up and go through beehives with me. Oh, hmm. wow. That's awesome. Well, I was going to ask what, what you feel the most rewarding part of this work is. And it sounds like it might have something to do with helping kids get involved and interested in this field. Yep. That moment that a kid realizes, or not just a kid, a person maybe even Brittany Page someday can reach into a beehive and mm. not be afraid of being stung. <laughs> there, it, there's, there's a visible light switch when you're working with people. Once they realize that, Hey, this is cool. And what I'm doing is right. And I'm, it, it's unbelievable to see it when people have that f switch flip. So you're, you're really, you're, you're on multi multifaceted here. You're affecting multiple generations of both bees and humans. <laughs> that's that's what I'm that's what I'm aiming for. <laughs> and you've got over your your deep abiding hatred of Boise State University being well, an, you know, an Idaho University of Idaho vandal. <laughs> you know, I've got the I've got the joke. Every single every first year class that comes up there is there's a reason bees are um, black and gold instead of blue and orange. <laughs> oh, ouch! Ah, <laughs> oh, that's very funny. And so, it's also nice because their advisors a vandal too. So <laughs> th th this I think is is awesome and heavy, and I think a lot of people are going to be super interested in it. 
But we've got a few questions for the dumb guys like me. Like, yeah. for instance, you your hives are, or as Brittany would call them, your bee drawers are... Well, no, wait, because... <laughs> Excuse me. I okay. So this this is an inside joke where I went to it's not this, inside anymore. I went to this garden. It was a private. It was on a private uh, property, but in front of the house in Boise, it said a private property. Feel free to explore, and you can just walk around this garden. And in this garden, they had what I thought looked like bee drawers. It literally looked like a drawer that you would pull out, and it. It had um, like honeycomb, what looks like honeycomb or whatever in it. And so I called them bee drawers. And as soon as I saw Mark, I said, Mark, look at these. These are bee drawers. I saw bee drawers today. And now that's become a thing. So I don't know what the hell they were. Didn't what he were they? and his wife, Jen, both looked at you like you were fucking out of your mind. Yeah, well, they just looked at me like, that's not what that is. Uh, <laughs> well, I, they're, they're called, okay, so it depends on the size of them. They're either called <laughs> deeps or supers. And that goes now Why way did you back. not, how did you not know that, Brittany Page? Yeah. How dumb of you. I know. But, but <laughs> my wife was the best because she had that look because she's like, how come we've never thought of calling them bee drawers <laughs> instead of deeps or supers? Because it makes so much more sense. So that's what I'm going to call them from here on out. So, so my question is, is you've got dogs and you've got a, a pretty big backyard. I mean, you live in Boise and, you know, it's not San Francisco where you live in a little tiny place. And uh, do you have a problem like with your bees or your dogs ever getting stung? So like do they ever fuck with the bee drawers and then, you know, get run off? I don't <laughs> I don't have a so I don't have a problem with it. Um, but your dogs the, the, do. <laughs> <laughs> so. My female dog, um, it, I, I kind of have to tell you about both dogs. The female dog is a hound dog with thin skin. Um, both They can both hear the bees in the hive, and so they know naturally to stay away. But, you know, sometimes things will happen. They'll get too close. Um, the female dog got stung on the lip the very first day we had bees, and she hasn't had a problem since. Right. <laughs> My male dog has thick fur and thick skin, and he sits out in front of the hive and tries catching bees. Oh, so they they they'll go to sting him and he'll he's fast enough that he can catch him. So sometimes they'll swarm on him like they'll, so bees when they want, when they're threatened they'll leave a pheromone yeah. when they sting and then more bees will come after that. Well his th- fur is so thick that they'll just get stuck in his fur not stinging him and he'll sit there and chase him in circles oh, running okay. the house. Then he runs in the house and then the bees get thrown all over the place in the house and then i'm putting on my bee suit trying to get pissed off bees out of the house oh wow so then he brings it then you have to fucking deal with them correct God, for the most part 99.9 percent of the time we have zero issues with dogs and the bees huh. and so what about you how often are you being stung by the bees because you're trying to convince me that i need to be comfortable with the bees so don't lie to me here how often are you getting stung <laughs> Uh, I'm in bees. I'm in multiple bee hives every weekend through all summer, and I got stung a total of five times this year. Hmm. Only five times. All five times, I could tell you exactly why I got stung. It's, it's well, your fault. G- give us a rundown. Yep. What was the reason? Um, every single time, it's because I was in a hurry and I would crush crush a bee. And then you get a pheromone on you. Yep. Oh, uh, and then they they fucking target. And then they're upset, and then they get you. 
Um, three out of the five times, I wasn't paying attention. I was sitting there talking to someone about nothing related to beekeeping. They, and they and felt ignored. I, the bees I felt ignored. I just wasn't paying attention <laughs> to the bees, and I would crush them or I'd do something like that. And then, you know, then you get stung on the tip of the finger or on the back of the hand or wherever. What's the worst place you've been stung? The armpit. Oh, God damn. Yeah, that sounds bad. <laughs> so how how do you um, care for the bees in the winter months? Because I, I have no idea what they are supposed to be doing during the winter. And it gets cold as shit in Boise, Idaho. Yeah. It's really neat. They keep the they keep the hive at 90 degrees. And the way they do that is they all cluster around the queen. And they can detach their wings from the muscles that they fly with. And they vibrate those muscles to generate the heat in the hive and they'll take turns rotating out from the queen and out to keep her warm and the rest of the hive at about 90 degrees holy shit wow that's so, very fucking teamwork son <laughs> yeah so i have i have a thermal camera that i go out and i can take pictures when god damn you know, fucking mark nagel <laughs> mark nagel everybody well i've got a thermal camera that i'm fucking spying on my bees with god damn let them have some I, privacy mark <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's really neat. Um, and so the concern going into winter is to make sure that they have enough honey. They need in Idaho, they need seventy pounds of honey to make it through winter. Seventy and, pounds. Seventy pounds yep. per how many bees? Um, probably about five pounds of bees. So probably about mm, five thousand bees. Wow. Se- seventy pounds of honey. Do they continue to produce, nope. or that just stays in no. there with them? So I spend the whole, so I spend pretty much all of September and the first part of October feeding them sugar water to promote them making honey that they will just store in the hive. Huh. I'm making what we call fat bees. So that's, and that's not like floral, beautiful honey you'd sell. That's just like rudimentary. It's sugar water. Yeah. It's like, it's like water you'd buy. It's like honey you'd buy at your grocery store <laughs> oh really it is yeah huh so you're just, just you're based- feeding them albertson's brand honey is what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm feeding them nectar without any pollen in them essentially is what i'm doing it's two parts sugar to one part water yeah i, I i'm also interested in this because you have been critical of like store-bought honey and i think most people don't know the difference you just go to the aisle and it looks like honey and it's in the little bear thing and you get the little bear jar and take it home and that's your honey um so how can people determine what is good honey and what is bad honey or not as good honey yeah so if you hold it up to the light and you can see things floating in it that's pollen and that means that it hasn't been filtered and that's good it's honey? It's only been strained, and that is very good honey. Okay. So a lot of the honey that's in grocery stores, if you hold it up, it'll be clear right through it, and you can't see any pollen. That's because all the pollen's been filtered out of it because it's been mixed with either sugar water or um, honey from China, which is not, which is probably cut with water. That's a big issue. If you if Google Google honey for China, and they're and they're just trying to they're just trying to make it go longer. Yes. They'll turn 70 pounds of honey into 100 pounds just by using water or something. Yep. Yeah. Like okay. my, my, my sister-in-law um, um, told me about a honey packet. She saw at a barbecue place the other day where the main ingredient in it was corn syrup and water oh, over honey. God damn. Really? Yep. 
So the, my, my wife laughs a lot at me because every time I see a bottle of what's considered raw honey at a grocery store, I'll, I'll sit there. I stand in the honey aisle and I hold it up to the light to see how much pollen's in it. <laughs> and how often when it says raw, does it actually have pollen in it? Um, a lot of times it is. Um, but, you know, because a lot, especially in Idaho, like there's naming standards to honey being sold. So if it's raw, it has to be raw honey. Right, right, right. Well, yours, but, uh, let me say, I, I didn't really, I still don't know dick about any of this. And I, I never really thought that honey would be different. And we have a, a, a container of your 720 apiaries honey. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking good. It's different. Yeah, it has like floral notes that wow, are look very at you. apparent. I- and so here's what's here's what's interesting is if I were to give you honey from the same hive year after year after year, it would taste different every year. Well, we expect you to do that, Mark. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and right now, and right now, what you should actually do is go to Trader Joe's because they're selling a rainbow of honey for oh, ten dollars. We saw that. There's like eucalyptus and shit. It is very good honey. Huh? Oh. I've certified that. I've held it up to the lights. <laughs> 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 well, well, we we were look we were looking at that the other day, and I thought we should get this for Mark, or at least tell him about it. Yeah, well, he already knows. Yeah, but of course he's fucking honey guy. Yeah, we are bee guy, and now you're honey guy. Yeah. So so hang on, let let's get back on that. So so your your first intent was not at all to get any honey, but do you produce enough honey that you you have to do something with it? I mean, what's the what's because yeah. you are getting into maybe starting to sell a little honey now, right? Yeah, I'm up to ten hives, and I um I harvested thirty five pounds of honey this year, wow. which is probably um no sorry thirty five gallons of honey, which is probably about one hundred and eighty pounds. Wow! Oh, that's a lot of fucking honey. <laughs> so, are you like farmers marketing in it, or are you going to like uh, are you doing so, like a website thing? So half of it is um, honey from the uh, the bee club, the Treasure Valley Beekeepers Club, and I'm getting ready to sell it on Cyber Monday. I'm going to start making posts. Uh, it's sold for a dollar an ounce, so sixteen dollars a bottle. So you could, and, yep. our audience could buy honey from you coming up right now. Like we're probably not yep. going to post this until after Monday. Yep, but get a hold of me. I'm gonna. I'm sure I'm gonna have more than plenty to sell. And all the honey is for. It's all nonprofit. It either goes back into the beehives or pollinator garden or bee research. I make, and awesome. that's the same with 720 apiaries. I make absolutely zero profit. Of it. This is my. This is my hobby. Well, this I is an unplanned part of us talking about this. I yeah. think it would be awesome yep. if our audience supported your work and your research yes um by buying honey we'll find out what the link is after this like i said we didn't plan on this but we'll i'll get the link i'll put it in the show notes we'll post about it that would be awesome and And it's it's good goddamn honey really good and it's very rudimentary i don't have an e-commerce site or anything i mean this is all this is you know weekends and i'll say hey this is how much money it is and this is where you send your money to and yeah right on man well, cool. So maybe maybe in future years I'll look into doing some sort of e-commerce. But for now, like I said, you know, it's it, honey is an unplanned thing. That's the good. That's the side effect. You know. So are you? I'm assuming that that you've 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 um, been introduced or you're growing a a community of of friends and new people and it's is that like a rewarding aspect of this too? Yeah, I love it. Especially like talking to you know the professors and especially graduate students. I mean, they're the ones that are really doing the work. Anyone that's been a graduate student knows that that's where all the work's done. 
And um, no, it's not. It's all the professors. <laughs> sitting down and hearing their thoughts and the way what they're the way they think about things it's you know like your show talk moving the conversation forward it's you know meeting or even sitting down with the old white guy bee farmers you know the way they think about things is so much different compared to the way just myself and those kids that are 10 to 15 years younger than me do yeah and see how it's passed down from generation because they do everything based on what they've done for the last 30 years. I do everything based on scientific fact and just to, you know, get their input. It, it's, it's, it's really rewarding to talk to these guys. So is it becoming more popular for people to just kind of start this as a hobby and put beehives in their backyard? Is that becoming um, increasingly more popular? Yes. Um, But I think what they're finding out is that it's not easy. Mm. Yeah, it's fucking work. It's especially in Boise, Idaho, because it's hot in the summer. It's cold in the winter. There's varroa mites. There's pesticides. There's the joke in the beekeeping community. If you ask five different beekeepers the same question, you'll get five different answers. Mm. (laughs) And... um, YouTube's a really good learning source, but it's all um, preppers. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet. Are... Paranoid weirdos. <laughs> okay, play the banjo sound here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> that's, uh, that's a lot of who the, the YouTube videos. I could fall down a YouTube hole on beekeeping just to watch these guys <laughs> not to learn anything but just to watch what they're doing and it's great so it's kind of like people uh starting a podcast like everyone has started a podcast but very few people continue to do it because it is hard you have to invest time you have to really try to make it work you don't see results right away yeah and <laughs> so it, when that doesn't start happening you kind of you quit doing it you fall away and it sounds like that might be what happens with a lot of people who try to do beekeeping Yep, I um I do a talk for community education here, and one of the first slides I put up is I'm gonna tell them exactly how your first three years are gonna go. The first year, you're gonna be nervous, you're gonna have these bees in front of you, you're gonna want to be in the hive, but you're gonna want to be scared. You'll be scared to be in the hive, and then your hive will live over winter, and your second year happens, and you think you know everything about beekeeping. <laughs> And you're a rock star and you've got now you've now harvested honey and everything's great. And then the third year, all of your bees die and you're pissed. Yeah. Wow. That's how it's going <laughs> to go, then, huh? <laughs> so that that's the point where you become you go from being a bee haver to becoming a beekeeper is that fourth year when you've had to replace and spend one hundred and fifty dollars per hive to replace and start from scratch. Mark Nagel painting a rosy picture for newbies. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I've seen. I mean, I've been in the. I've been doing this now for what seven years, almost eight years, and the turnover. You see people for three years and then they're gone. It's yeah. kind of a joke too in the community. It takes about three years for people to get frustrated and then they'll just leave. So my goal is my. I have a personal goal is I try to make sure I see people for a fourth year. And I try to have them ask questions. And when people ask questions, I always say, hey, I can come help you. I never charge to go help people. Like, you know, these old guys, they'll request gas money, whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) If you need help, I'll come help you. Ask me questions. Text me whenever you want. Come watch me go through beehives. I publish when I go up to the beehives. You're more than welcome to help out. Let's, you know, let's, let's, bees are important. I feel like we're going to have to end with the taking care of biz music because 
uh, <laughs> Mark is taking care of Biz. And I think he's inspiring everyone in the audience to go out and start beekeeping and make it to year four, right? Yeah, yeah. go out and start beekeeping or at least go find a beekeeper and, and buy honey from them. You yeah. know, that's how you can help out. Find a local beekeeper and buy honey from them. Don't go down to your local Vaughn's or Ralph's or Albertson's or Stop and Shop, Food Lion, Piggly Wiggly. I'm just naming all the regional ones I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. support your local like a farmer's market you can just go down there yeah. right or even you know or you know whole foods trader joe's they're really good at bringing in honey that's locally real. sourced but you know that's why you're gonna see that the honey's ten dollars a bottle and right. not three dollars a bottle but it's so. better look i don't know if it's worth double or triple but it's certainly worth more money absolutely worth more money yeah yep so well that's awesome man look I i'm i'm cool. um I'm interested in the fact that there is, it seems like we may be very possibly on the the horizon, seeing the horizon of change relative to colony, uh, colony collapse disorder, which is a devastating fucking thing that should scare a lot of people. Yeah. And, you know, because and the thing is, is we thought we were chasing a vampire with a stake and we're actually, we needed a silver bullet to chase a werewolf. Yeah. And so now that we have that, kind of mentality hopefully we've turned a corner where we're not going to start you know every other day or every other spring see the story on the news about how honeybees are in trouble it's great because like you said what was the number how many out of how many bites of food or whatever what was it one out of every three 33 percent yeah i mean it's it, it is uh i mean they're having so many problems in china right now they're paying laborers to paint pollen on their apple orchards on each flower that's yep. that's a that seems to be a harbinger of bad things to come, and uh, you're doing good work, man. It's important. Same same issue in California with the almonds. There's not enough bees in the United States to pollinate the whole almond crop crop in California. Well, there's hardly enough fucking water to make the <laughs> almond crop go. One whole, gallon whole story. One gallon of water per almond. Fuck, that's a that's too much water per almond when you're irrigating a goddamn desert. You know, everyone needs their almond milk. I guess. <laughs> Almonds don't have breasts. There is no almond milk. It is almond juice. I'm sorry. That is just the way it is. On that, we are going to leave you. Mark, are you on? You are on social media. 720 yep. Apiaries on Facebook. Yep. And I have to admit, I've been horrible at my website and at um, my Facebook page, but it is my goal this next year to improve upon that. Yes. Well, we will put all those links in the show notes. I would encourage you, go like Mark on Facebook, 720 Apiaries. Uh, if you're interested in this, he is a super accessible, wonderful human being. He would be happy to help you out, answer your questions, steer you in the right direction. Um, Taking care of biz. Is there anything else that you'd like to plug before we let you go, Mark? Um, give money to Jesse and Brittany on Patreon. Thank you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That uh, that took an interesting turn there. That the did end. took a very very good turn. <laughs> you know how many right. times I've been a beehive listening to Brittany and Jesse talk. Maybe it's that's why great. the mites are fleeing. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what's with these gingers? <laughs> All right, Mark. Thank you for coming on. We appreciate you. We love you, buddy. It was great seeing you in Boise. We are gonna go. We'll just sign off here. We love you. We appreciate you. 
if you are on the fence, like Mark said, about donating to the show, helping us move the conversation forward, sponsoring content just like this, we would love to have you be a part of our Patreon family. Go to dollamore.com slash Patreon. It is also right now the holiday season. Right this moment, while I'm speaking, it is. Maybe not when you listen to this. But if you would like to also help the show and you shop on Amazon, if you're going to spend your money anyway, why not help this show? Dollamore.com slash Amazon. Every little bit goes a long way helping us move the conversation forward. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining us for this very special bonus episode. For Brittany Page, Mark Nagel, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. I think, ah, fuck. What's the right way? What did Mark say that time? (laughs) 